0: as the Scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's Word. Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, I am again going to step away from our, uh, our messages we've been doing, going through on unity. Although I said this last time, they're really all about unity. That's the, that's the fun thing about that theme. I can preach on anything I want and say it's still got to do with the vision. Amen. Because <laughs> it's all about unity, us being united in one mind with God. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Uh, but this week I had the opportunity to, uh, to go to my brother's church in Russell Springs, Kentucky. He was holding a Spring Jubilee and uh, I had the, the privilege to preach on Wednesday night. And uh, I'll just be honest with you, I told him afterward, I said, man, about halfway through that message, I thought, well, I've laid an egg here. This is a mess. Uh, I felt like I was fighting the whole time I was preaching, like I had, you know, I just felt like I had no liberty, you know. Uh, if any of you, has ever, any of you that are preachers have ever felt like that, you know what I'm talking about, where it just feels like it's a struggle. And... Um, Was nothing against anybody there. It was just that's just the way I felt. And I thought, Lord, maybe I missed it. Maybe, maybe I had the wrong message. And then when I got done, I mean, there was probably a dozen people on the altar uh, getting help from God. And the Lord said, see, dummy, it doesn't matter what you think. Amen. And that's exactly right. When I preach, it's got nothing to do with how I feel about it. It's got nothing to do with how much fun I had. And I'll be honest, I enjoy preaching. I do. I love to preach. Uh, if I didn't, then you know you probably wouldn't nobody would like to listen to me. I'll tell you that. Um, because, but I do, I love serving the Lord and I love being in this way and, and having the privilege to do that. and I enjoy it and because the Lord's called me to do it, but that's not what it's about. If I get up and I feel like I'm fighting the whole way and nobody in the church likes the word I'm saying and everybody's mad at me as long as God gets His word through and gets some people get help, that's the only thing that matters. The Lord bless us and the Lord. Uh, he also spoke to me through the messages that were there, and I needed that. Uh, brother Justin Owens was there, some of y'all may or may not know him. He's uh, started a church in I think Sim- Simpsonville? Shelbyville, sorry, Shelbyville. It's up around that way. Uh, he was there preaching on Thursday night, and he preached a message entitled, "Having a Clean Hand, Having Clean Hands and a Cold Heart." And I'll tell you, uh, it was convicting. The Lord dealt with my heart in that message. And uh, the Lord spoke to me, so I appreciate your prayers while we were there. And while I was there, uh, my brother got up and he made a statement. And as often happens when you're a preacher, the Lord, when you're in church, will will take things out that other people say from a verse or from a certain passage, and he will ping it in your heart. And it began to grow in my heart, and, and over the last couple days, I, I became pretty sure that this was what the Lord wanted me to deal with today. So in Proverbs chapter 6, I want to give you this message. Uh, before I forget, I do just want to say I appreciate my wife and all that she puts up with. Amen. For me uh, and all the help that she is, uh, she is a help meat. She really is. She is a servant, and uh, I would not be where I am today if the Lord hadn't sent the right woman into my life to be my wife and the mother of our, ch- our children, and I appreciate the church coming uh, coming to me and saying they wanted to be a blessing, the ladies getting together and being a blessing to her. I appreciate y'all's willingness to love her, and I love her, and I'm thankful for. her. So, uh, I, there you go. Amen. That was awkward, I'm sure, but I mean that. I really do. Proverbs chapter six, verse nine. The Bible says, "I'll tell you what. Let's all stand together if you're with me this morning." Uh, in Proverbs chapter six and verse nine, and we'll read this together. And thank you to all of those that are tuning in on the live stream. Hopefully, the Lord will speak with you in the message. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 9, the Bible says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for allowing us, God, for giving us the privilege, Lord, in this country, the freedom to come to Your house on the Lord's Day. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that I'm in church this morning. I'm thankful, God, that I have the Holy Spirit living within me. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that You saved me, and God, that I know You and that You know me. God, I pray this morning, if You would, God, please help me to preach this message with unction, with power from the Holy Spirit. Help me, God, to deliver Your Word this morning, uh, God, with with a true fire, God, in the preaching. God, I pray this morning, Lord, help every soul under the sound of my voice, God, whether they be here in the building, God, whether they be at home, God, listening on the live stream or some other way. God, I pray that Your Word would burn in our hearts, God. Lord, that it be sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that it would cut us asunder and show us those things in our life Lord, that are wanting, God, that You might remake us in the way that You want us to be. God, how we need You this morning, we ask and we pray. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Well, that's a good way to start, isn't it? The writer of Proverbs had a real way with words. Uh, And the fact is, The Bible sometimes can be a little harsh. I don't know if you've noticed that. But sometimes it can be a little harsh because the Bible's not interested in our feelings. The Bible's not interested in in making sure that nobody's upset and that nobody is bothered by what's said. The Bible is only interested in saying what needs to be said. Amen. It's a good thing, too, because I'll tell you what, we need sometimes to just hear what needs to be said. Amen? And you go, oh, can can you believe they said that? You know, that sort of stuff. That's what I want the Bible to do. I don't want to have to try and say, well, really, though, I think they were just trying to get to this in a roundabout way. I want it to be direct. Amen? And that's what the author of Proverbs was. If we could say anything, direct. Amen. Direct. Solomon was a wise man. The Bible says he was Probably He was the wisest man outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and the Lord inspired him to write much of the book of Proverbs. And, and here we have some very wise words, and he's talking about sleep. <laughs> Who likes to sleep? Amen. Can I just say, I like to sleep. Uh, my wife is still holding her hand up. Amen. Because she's usually operating on a shortage. Amen. Brother Travis and I, we talk a lot about how these babies sometimes, we love them, but man, they hate sleep. Like, why do you hate it so much? The doctor's like, well, your son, he should be getting somewhere in the realm of 16 hours or or 14 hours of sleep a day with naps and everything. I'm like, are you kidding? This kid sleeps like two hours. And the rest, when he is asleep, he's doing doing backflips and everything else. Like, what am I supposed to do? But you know, the older you get and you get to that, they always said people sleep like a baby. They always say sleep like a teenager. Amen. I mean, hallelujah. Uh, preaching and teaching to young people over the years. I taught the teen Sunday school class, and Caleb Lobb's not here this morning. I was really hoping he was so I could use him for an example, so I'll just do it anyway. Uh, He used to come into our Sunday school class, and their family drove from Louisville to our church, uh, which was in Hart County at the time. They come in every Sunday, you know, usually a couple minutes late, driving really far, and and we kind of start a little bit late anyway because we were Baptists, and uh, most Baptists in the world, I'll tell you, it's late or it's not happening. Uh, but we get started, and I'll be, I'll be teaching. They come in. Caleb, man, he was, he wanted to be in there in and gung-ho, and he's about 13 years old. And some of y'all have seen him, he usually sits back there. He's got red hair, he's a real stocky boy. And he'd come in, sit on the front seat in the Sunday school class, and sit down, and within two minutes. I mean, he's sitting there, and I can see every muscle in his face is tense, trying to hold his eyes open. And I just wait, and he'd go under. And I go, Caleb! He'd jump up, I'm like, man, go put some water on your face. Like, what's wrong with you? I found out later it's because he took a nap on the way to church every morning. I mean, that's what, he took a nap in the hour drive. By the time he got there, he's already in sleep mode again, and he can't stay awake during, during, you know, 30 minutes of Sunday school. On the front seat, I'm like, at least sit in the back, you know, amen. You know, which it wouldn't have been far when the classroom is a small class anyway. But the fact is, you know, it, it, he would just be so sleepy, and he wanted to be awake, but he, I'm like, man, you got to stop taking naps. And he did. And he wasn't sleeping in Sunday school anymore. Amen. We found the problem. But here Solomon's talking about sleeping, and really he's kind of got, in a way, a little bit of a sharp attitude about it. Uh, By way of introduction, here he's talking about sleep. First, he shows us the timing of their sleep. He says, "This how long wilt thou sleep?" Have y'all ever heard that? How long are you going to sleep? It is time to get up. how long? My, I come home Saturday and we were out for the week and we were up early and up late and we were running around and my daughter played with her cousin's side, and she was just wore out. And Saturday morning, uh, I left early to go back. I drove back up to Caleb's meeting. And uh, when I got home, Brooke said, Peyton slept till 1215 today. My first reaction is to say, kick her hind in out of bed. Amen. But she's a little girl. She had a long week, wasn't getting good sleep, away from home, so Brooke let her sleep a couple extra hours. But I thought, wow, I can't imagine sleeping until 12 p.m. anymore. Like my body just would never let me do that. No, amen. It just wouldn't. It's just the way I'm built. But I remember being a kid and my dad coming in, and on a Saturday, you know, we grew up on a farm. If he came in the house and it was later than 9:30, I mean, there was a trumpet going off in my bedroom. And it was usually an angry trumpet. Amen. Get up, boy. You know, throwing stuff on us on the bed or dumping water on us or what. I and mean, he was just a sweet guy and still is. Amen. It's like, how long are you really going to sleep? I mean, the sun is up. There's things to be done. Get up. You've been sleeping 13 hours. My goodness, how much sleep does this 16 year old boy need just to function like a normal human? Amen. I kind of, you'll find a lot of the book of Proverbs is written. From a father to his son. And so, man, I can just hear those words coming out. How long will thou sleep? Then we see the taunting of their sleep. He says, Oh, sluggard. Well, now he's name calling. That's not very nice. That's not politically correct. But here he is. He's calling him a sluggard. You say, Well, what is a sluggard? A sluggard is one who is habitually lazy, idle, or inactive. Some of y'all are getting pretty nervous about the message right now, I can tell. But the fact of the matter is this, he's calling him a lazy bum. Any of y'all's parents ever call you a lazy bum? Maybe it was just mine. (laughs) My dad did, man. He'd say, what's wrong with you, son? A cuss word, the, the biggest cuss word in our house growing up was bored. You never said you were bored. If you were bored, there were a million things that you was going to do today. I'll tell you that. And none of them were fun. Amen. Many of them involved manure and scooping. So you did not say bored. Amen. You said a real cuss word, you got a spanking. You said bored and you got three days of work. Hallelujah. I mean, it was just, just a bad thing to say I was bored, but, but it was a constant thing being drilled into us as kids that you should never just be idle and lazy. Amen. And that's what this writer is saying to his son. That's what he's saying here to us in the Scripture is that it is not good to be habitually lazy. Amen. That you ought to be doing things. We, we've, we've often said idle hands are the devil's playground, right? That that doing nothing is where the devil comes at you, and that's where he's going to try to get you into doing things that you ought not be doing. And here we've got some some reaffirming of that sort of idea, that to be idle habitually, to be inactive, a, a synonym given in Webster's 18.28, is a drone. I mean just a lifeless, empty thing. That's a sluggard. That's the taunting of their sleep. Then we see the tarrying of their sleep. In verse uh, number 10, he says this, "Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. That's this, the folding of the hands to sleep. He's mocking him now. He's gone from taunting, and now he's talking about his tarrying. And really what this is in modern language is, Mom, just just five more minutes. Y'all heard that? Just five more minutes. Just ten more minutes. Just just a little. Just a little sleep. Just a little more. Just I, I, I'm about to get up. I'll be out. Just just a little bit more. You hit the brother Joe said hit that snooze button, which is like seven minutes. Like why is that thing seven minutes? It's nine minutes. Whatever. See, I don't hit the snooze button when the alarm goes off. My my, I'm awake. But the you know it's like why did they choose? You know, make it fifteen. You know, hey, Amen. We need an extended snooze. Uh, but that's what it is. Just give me a few more minutes, and they're, they're just they're they're reticent and reluctant to let sleep go. Amen. They don't want to let it escape. When I when I get up in the morning and my alarm goes off, and my alarm is this soft, soothing, like flute playing, just the smallest little thing will wake me up. I know some people they need an alarm that will literally reach out and slap them on the face. And it's just, you know, we're all different. Amen. you got one that literally sounds like someone being murdered in the room next to you. you got to have something. It's like, whoa, are the police here to wake you up? For me, I mean, just a da da, da. And I'm like, oh, it's morning. I'm awake. Because for me, it's easy, and it's just the way that, that my mind works. I'm a light sleeper. Whereas other people, you've got to go in there, and I mean, you've got to just about grab them and drag them out to get them to just let it go. Let sleep escape. That's what he's talking about. Just, just a little slumber. Then we see the trouble of sleep. Because you're thinking, well, really, what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal, verse number 11. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. He speaks first of an impeding doom. He said, if you keep sleeping, and can we see that he's not just talking about Physical sleep. If you keep being a sluggard, there is an impeding doom that's headed your way. He calls it two things. Poverty and want. What it is, is it's, it's two words that imply loss and need. The sluggard who continues in his sleep will find himself in poverty and want. They hit that snooze button, and then they hit it again, and they keep hitting it, and then their boss calls them two hours later, where are you at? Oh, I, I overslept. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, because that hour of sleep just cost you your job. Amen. And now you're poor. I mean, that's the implication, right? That's the, that's the parallel we're seeing to this real world. is If you continue to be a sluggard, and you continue, and all you do is you just want more sleep, and you love sleep, and you just sleep, 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 it's going to cost you some things. You'll find that there are things in life that you wanted to accomplish, but you just never did because of sleep, because of letting it go, and just holding on to this, this comfort and this rest and not taking your time seriously. Then we see an impending doom. He said, This thy poverty shall come as one that traveleth, and, and your want as an armed man, and as an armed man. The implication here is there is an impending doom that. It is coming. It's coming fast. And when it does, it's going to steal something from you. As an armed man, it's the picture of a what they would call a highway man. Somebody headed in your direction that when they get there, they'll steal it and it'll be gone before you even knew that it happened. You'll wake up one day and find that things that you had and, and things that you thought you had and things that you loved or you've lost them, And it's because of your sluggishness. We see the timing of their sleep, the taunting of their sleep, the tearing of their sleep, the trouble of their sleep, and then we see the termination of our sleep. And here is what the author of Proverbs is saying, and now I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 13, and I'm going to show you where the Apostle Paul said the same thing. It's time to wake up. It is time to wake up up. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time. Y'all heard people use that phrase, high time. That means it's time. It might even be past time. It is the hour, the alarm is going off, the clock has struck 12, however you want to say it, it is high time. Verse 11, knowing the time, that now it is high time to what? It is high time to awake. It's time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The word awake in verse 11 means to rouse from sleep, to rouse from sitting or lying, to rouse from death figuratively, from obscurity to arouse from inactivity, to arise from ruin, to arise from non-existence. It means to lift up, to raise again, to rear up, to rise again, to stand, to take up. It's an action. Can I tell you, sleeping is not an action. Grammatically, maybe that word is a verb, but it's not an action. It's the opposite of action. Amen. It's literally to become inactive. That's what it is to sleep. It's to lie down. And it is for your mind to stop turning. And for your body to slow down. And for your breathing to slow down. Everything slows down like a sloth. And we need that for our body to recover during the night. We need times of rest. But you know what I find? There's a lot of people who have slipped into eternal rest. They've slipped into an eternal spiritual sleep. They got saved, and in the moment of their salvation, they got up and they were arisen, if you will, from the dead, brought from past, having passed from death unto life and salvation. And then at some point, they lied back down. And now they are still, to this day, asleep. You're sleeping through church. Hopefully not physically, but spiritually. You're sleeping through church. You're sleeping through your life. You're sleeping on a daily basis and it's always, well, I know I need to do this and I know I need to do that and I know I need to read my Bible more and I know I need to pray more and I know I need to be a witness, but just five more minutes. Amen. Just just, just a little longer. You know, I, I'm just so tired. You know, I, I've got this going on and I've got that going on. I, I, I'll do all of that tomorrow. I'll do all of that next year. I'll do all of that next week, but today, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. We're just tired. I used to preach this a lot to young people. If all the devil's got to do in church to get you out of the message is make you sleepy, his job is easy. Amen. His job is easy because tired is what we all are. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I feel like I'm tired all the time. Like, why am I tired? And it's just the way it is. Being alive oftentimes means being tired. But there's a difference in being tired and being asleep. I'm gonna preach this song this morning. Awaken us, O Lord. Awaken us. Snap out of it. Wake up. Look up here. Don't sleep on the service this morning. Don't sleep on the message this morning. Don't let it pass you by. Pay attention. Look up. Zone in. Shake your head. Go put some water on your face like Caleb Lobb. Do whatever you got to do to say, I'm awake, I'm listening, and I'm I'm going to focus. Amen? I'm going to zero in and say, God, speak to me. Awaken us, O Lord. Number one, awaken us out of sleep. Proverbs 19.15, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. There's a spiritual and a physical application there. It's simply this, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. Amen. But it's also telling us very simply this, that if we become slothful on God, and we become lazy in God's work, then what's going to happen is we're going to slip into a deep sleep. Amen. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 11. I'll read you a few verses from over there, and and we'll deal with a couple of these real quickly. Proverbs 26, verse 11. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. The slothful man said, there is a line in the way. A lion is in the streets. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Awaken us out of sleep. Let me ask you a couple simple questions in this thought about are you sleeping? God, we need you to awaken us out of sleep. You say, "Well, brother Paul, I'm not asleep. I'm wide awake. I'm wide awakened. I'm awakened." The- okay. Well, let me ask you a couple simple questions. First, are you dormant in the work of God? Are you dormant in the work of God? So, what's dormant mean? It means you're standing still. It means you're not doing anything. You're just doing nothing. It's not that what you're doing is not working. It's not that what you're not seeing the growth you want to see and you're not seeing the, it's that you're not doing anything. You're literally doing nothing. You are dormant, like a volcano that at one time was active but is now dormant. There was a time when there was life in you and you were doing things in the work of God and you were involved in the ministry and you were going forward, but now, you're not. Or maybe you never really even have been, and you got saved, and from that point you went into a sleep, a deep sleep as a sloth, and never ever stepped out into the work of God, but one way or another, whether it's, it's this way or that, you are now dormant. And let me just point out real quick, if it looks like I'm looking over here a lot, it's because the church is about to capsize. There ain't, n- Brother Toby and my wife and these children are holding down this side of the church. Amen. When you start putting candy and donuts on these front six pews, then maybe we can get some of y'all to you know get closer. Amen. So if I'm looking over here, it's not because, man, you're looking at me. I mean, you know, maybe the Lord is speaking to you. But it's because y'all are all right here. Amen. So I'm going to this way. and Y'all just try to catch some of the, the splash damage. Proverbs 26, verse 13 said, "...the slothful man saith there's a line in the way, a line is in the streets." There's a lion in the streets. There's something going on outside. If I looked outside my window and there was a lion, that's a pretty serious deal. What's his reaction? What's the next verse say that he does? As a door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Well, there's a lion in the streets. (sighs) I'm going to go back to bed. Is that a proper response to a lion in the streets? No. The proper response is, you know, call someone or get your gun. Hey, man, if there's a lion in the yard, I'm not going to worry about preservationist, okay? I'm going to worry about that lion in the yard. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to deal with it. But this sloth. see, his problem is he is in a permanent state of inactivity. He is dormant. He has slowly frozen in place. And stop doing anything. Verse 15 said that he's hide his hand in his bosom and it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. It almost implies that he's even too lazy to feed himself. Now, ain't that sad? We like to make jokes about exercise. I exercise my arm a lot when I bring that spoon up. Amen. You know, we like to make jokes like that. But this guy's gotten to a place that he can't even be bothered to do the things that are necessary to life. Say, so, man, that guy's in bad shape. Well, where are you spiritually? You might work your brains out for your family and for the work and for the money and for your bank account and for your job, but you won't lift a finger for the work of God. Not even the little one. Is that you? Amen. Now that's harsh, isn't it? But that's what he's saying. You get to a point, you become so slothful that you are just fine doing absolutely nothing for God. And can I tell you this this morning? This may come as a shock to you but coming to church is not a work. Amen. Church is for you. Church is coming to the dinner table. Lord, feed me. Church is going to the doctor. Lord, give me what I need. Give me what's going to help me. I know we hate going to the doctor sometimes. Maybe that's not a good... Maybe I shouldn't use that analogy. Some of y'all are going to stop coming. But that's what I'm saying. Church is for you. You come to church and you get fed And yes, when I come to church and I'm here and I'm the pastor, I'm going to preach and I'm I'm working for God by trying to deliver that work to you. But for most of us, we come in and, and you sing a song or if you do that, you might do a small thing that's a help to the work, amen. But church is to feed you and fill you and refresh you and empower you. It's coming to the dinner table. That's church. It's going to worship God and lift Him up and to feel Him, and to hear from Him. That's church. That's not you working for God. You coming to church, being in the building, is not a work for God. So the question is, what are you doing? And if the answer in your head and in your heart is nothing, you're asleep. Say, well, there was a time when I was Really being a witness at work, and I was talking to people about the Lord, and I was passing out tracts, and I was trying, you know, I, was, I had a big prayer list, and I was praying for people, and, and I was asking, you know, I was doing this, I was doing that, but now I've kind of gotten away from all that. Yet a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And we think to ourselves, man, I need to get back to that, I need to get back to that, but then we just, we see the line in the street, we roll over. Oh, we know we need to, but are you asleep? Are you dormant in the work of God? Because if you are, you might be asleep. Amen. Not only do we see that there are some are dormant in the work for God, we see that some are defeat are deafened. Sorry, some are deafened to the word of God. You know what he said about that slothful? He didn't just say he saw the line and rolled over. Here's what he said: The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. You ever try to tell a sluggard to stop being a sluggard? You need to start getting up earlier. You need to start doing this. You need to start doing that. And they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen? I, I remember being that way. I remember being that way at times in my life, thinking, Dad, you're just being mean. You don't need to be doing this. Why are you waking me up? It's just an extra 30 minutes, whatever. I'll be fine. Leave me alone. And, and in my mind, I thought, I'm right, and he's wrong. Well, now I can tell you, he was right, and I was wrong. Amen? Amen? Some of y'all need to practice saying that. My daughter loves saying, I was right and you were wrong. So we have decided maybe we're going to stop telling her she's right ever. Amen. Because that's her favorite thing. She goes, hey, Daddy, I was right. You were wrong. Oh, yeah, I'm about to show you right. You ain't even done anything. Except said that, you know, maybe that. But anyway, what I'm saying is this. A sluggard is wiser in their own conceit. I think it's funny you use that word conceit, because when we think about that word now, we think conceited, don't we? What it means is what goes on between these two ears inside your head is more valuable and more valid and more accurate than anything seven men could render to you. You could gather every preacher and every deacon and every Sunday school teacher and your parents and anybody in your life, who in any way has any sort of understanding and authority, and they could all tell you at the same time what's right and be in total agreement, but in your head, if you disagree, what you think is right, no matter what they say. Can I tell you this morning, that's the most dangerous place a person can be. The most dangerous place a person can be in this life is to think that they are right and everyone else is wrong. The Bible tells me quite plainly also in the book of Proverbs I believe it is that the fool is wise in his own eyes. Are you deafened to the words of God? When the preacher comes in here and he preaches, and we go to the Bible and the Bible gets right in your business. Do you deal with it or do you go, "Oh, there's a line in the street. Five more minutes." Oh, you know what? I probably do need to stop watching that stuff. But it can wait. I probably do need to start, stop listening to that. I probably do need to stop talking that way. I probably do need to start going out and witnessing. I probably do need to start praying more. I probably do need to get my family in church. I probably do need to do this. I probably do need to do that. But I just got too much going on right now. You know, just five more minutes. There's a line in the street. And the preacher's telling you that if you don't wake up, poverty and want are around the corner. And when they show up, you'll wake up and go, what happened? How did I lose my children to the world? How did I lose my life to the devil? How did I wind up in this sin? How did I wind up in this place? You slept too long. You overslept, and while you were sleeping, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what He does. He's not going to come in the day. He's going to come in the night. Are you deafened to the words of God? Is the preaching effective in your, in your mind, in your heart? Or are you just shutting it off? Putting it off? You can wait for tomorrow. Let me move on. Yeah, I need to hurry. Awaken us out of sleep. Secondly, awaken us out of sin. Our text verse in Romans chapter thirteen said this: "It's high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent." You know what he said? You know He's saying when he said our salvation is nearer now than when we believed. He's saying when we got saved to now we're closer to going out of here than we were then. We've got less time than we did then. Time is growing short. The clock is ticking down. Christ is coming. It's appointed unto man wants to die. You've only got so much time and you're running out of it. Don't waste it. Sleeping. Get up. Wake up. Get up. Let's go. We've got things to do. You've got sin in your life. And if you don't deal with it now, the clock is going to strike 12 and it's going to be too late. And yeah, you'll go to heaven as by fire, but you'll answer to God. And there'll be people who go to hell because of the sin in your life. And people in your family who are damaged because of the sin in your life. And if you keep toying with sin, you're gonna reap what you sow and you're gonna produce wicked things and corruption, the Bible says, in your life because of the sin in your life. Don't wait. You need to do things for God and the clock is ticking. Amen. That's what he's saying. Awaken us out of sin. He said this Let us, <clears throat> the nights far spent, the days at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Awaken us out of sin. We see the example of sin. He gives us an example of sin in verse number 13 of that text in Romans chapter 13. It says this, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting. Rioting is an uproar of loud and boisterous wickedness. You know where most of that goes on today? On social media. Amen. It's rioting. It's blasting anything you don't like or getting on there and and making comments without tagging anybody's name to tear down other people in the church. Amen. It's trying to stir up trouble and discord. That's what it is. It's rioting. And we know what rioting is in the real world too, don't we? Going out and tearing down and making a mess and being loud and boisterous. Rioting. He said drunkenness. Drunkenness. We know what drunkenness is, don't we? And there's no place for it in the people of God. Amen. The only answer is abstinence. Hallelujah. Stay away from it. It's a mocker. It'll destroy you. Don't play with it. Amen. Wake up. There's a line in the street. Wake up. Amen. Drunkenness, chambering. Chambering is fulfilling the lust of your flesh and lasciviousness and wickedness and fornication and adultery. Amen. There's no place for that junk in the house of God. There's no place for that junk in the heart of a Christian. You need to overcome the lust of your flesh. Amen. Wantonness. That is a lack of self-control. That whatever I want, I do. Amen. Strife. Bitterness. Anger. Hatred. Variance. Discord among the brethren. And envying. And we know what the Bible says about that. Who can stand before envy? And the answer is... Nobody. And here's what's going on. That stuff is happening in the church and people are just sleeping on like everything is fine. Amen. You're going on social media and saying things you shouldn't. You're toying around with drunkenness. You're toying around with the wickedness of the lust of your flesh and you've got no self-control and you've got bitterness in your heart and anger toward the brethren and you're doing nothing about it. Amen. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And we need to walk honestly as in the day. Now, why did he say as in the day? These are just some examples of sin that we need to snap out of. Amen. He said this, the excusing of sin. Proverbs 26, 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There's more hope of a fool than him. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men can render a reason. He's saying this. They're looking at themselves and they're saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, hey listen, it's okay, if I, so long as I do this in moderation, I'll be fine. So long as I I don't worry about it, it's not that big a deal. You know what you're doing, what every single human being does on earth when they sin. They're convincing themselves that it's okay. But can I tell you that poverty and want are coming fast down the road towards you. The longer you toy with these things, the closer you get to just... It's like when you're a little kid, and I was a little kid, and we always had electric fences all around. It's like, well, I'll be all right. As long as I, you know, and they said, don't go over there near that. It'll be all right. I'll be all right. I just got to get a stick, and as long as I hold it down and I can get close, just don't touch it. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to touch that electric fence. It's going to brush against the inside of my knee as I'm trying to step over it, and then I'm going to fall on it. Any of you ever fallen on an electric fence? It hurts. Amen. Newsflash, getting shocked hurts. Especially when it's barbed wire and it gets hung in them britches and then you're caught up in it and you're just like, ah, help me. Amen. Well, I'll be all right. I'm just going to drink a little. I'm just going to watch a little bit of this stuff and yeah, it's got some wicked things in it I don't need to see but so long as I don't go doing this stuff I'll be okay. You're getting awful close. What you need to do is you need to wake up and realize that there's some people out here who love you and want to help you. They know better. In fact, a lot of them are saying, hey, I want you to see these scars I've got. You know why I've got them? Because I thought I knew better. You don't have to be that way. The excusing of sin. We see the environment of sin. It's interesting to me that in Romans chapter 12, as he's talking about waking up, he keeps talking about the night. The night is far spent, the days at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He's talking about sin when he says the works of darkness. That is sin. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 he says this, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness darkness. Verse 14 of that same chapter, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Are you seeing a contrast between darkness and light? And the unfruitful works of darkness are the things I just read to you, writing, drunkenness, chambering, wantonness, strife, envying, lasciviousness, lust of the flesh, fornication, variance, all these things. They're the unfruitful, wicked works of darkness. You can read about them in Galatians chapter 5 as the works of the flesh. They're unfruitful works of darkness. You know why they're called works of darkness? Because they take place in the dark. You know what else takes place in the dark? Sleeping. It's interesting, isn't it? He's saying, wake up! Turn the light on. Any of your parents ever come in there when it's still kind of dark out in the morning, time for school, and flick that light on? It's instantly infuriating. My three-year-old hates it. Amen. It's instantly infuriating. Because when you're in the dark, and you're happy in the dark, the last thing you want is the light turned on. Jesus said it like this. We love quoting John 3.16, don't we? John 3.19 said, This is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. If you've got to hide it from your wife, or your husband, or your parents, or your Christian friends, or your preacher, or whoever, it probably don't need to be going on. Amen? If you're having to sneak... Men, don't, they don't want to wake up. Women, they don't, they don't want to wake up. We don't t- turn the light off. Because the things I'm doing don't belong in the light. They only belong in the dark. That's the environment of sin, is in darkness when nobody can see or you think they can. But God can. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Let me hurry. Finally, we ask Him not only to awaken us from our sleep and to awaken us from our sin, but we ask Him to awaken us to His service. Romans 13, 14, "...put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof." Romans 12, verse 9, He said this, "...let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good." be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. First, can I tell you, you want to be awakened to God's service? You want to be awakened out of sin? You want to be awakened this morning and brought out of your sluggishness and your slothfulness and lying down on God first? It takes a decision it is not going to happen by accident. God is not going to make you serve Him. He's not going to make you quit sinning. He's not going to make you do it. He's not going to make you be right. It's going to take you deciding. It's going to take you saying, I'll do that. That's why Paul said this, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not Christ's putting Himself on you. It's you saying, I am going to be like Christ. I am going to read my Bible, and I am going to do what Christ did, and I am going to wake up and do what's right and deal with the line in the street and deal with the sin in my heart and deal with the slothfulness and the sluggishness in me. I'm going to wake up. God, I'm ready. Will you wake me up? Will you get me going? Will you set me on your path? It's going to take a decision. It's not going to happen by accident. It won't happen you sitting in your pew and not moving during an invitation. Oh, I want God to help me, but I don't, I'm not going to go pray. Well, God resisteth the proud. Amen. And you ain't got to get down on your knees up here on this altar to do business with God, but there's a problem when you absolutely refuse. There's a problem amen when I was a kid growing up my dad we had a set bedtime my parents they set us a a strict bedtime especially during weekdays and school days and then we had a set time we got up every morning for school and even when we weren't in school during the summer we had a set time that we had to be up and we had to go to bed and I believe that's good and uh, when I was a kid I hated that I wanted to stay up later, and I wanted to sleep in later. I'm pretty sure it was just rebellion. But when I graduated high school, and I moved out on my own, I was in charge of when I went to bed, and I was in charge of when I got up in the morning. And can I tell you, that cost me. There were some times when I missed a class, or missed this, or didn't do this, or didn't do that, because of my slothfulness and my sluggishness. All those years of mom and dad instilling in us, you need to be in bed by 10, you need to be up by 7, or whatever, it it didn't matter what they wanted when I was out on my own. All those many years of that stability and and on time didn't make a bit of difference if I didn't decide that I was going to do it myself. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter how many times your mom and daddy's drug you to church, how many times you sit there in that pew on Sunday morning, or how many times you hear the message preached. If you don't take it and wake up in your life, it'll do you no good. None. Hearing it won't make a bit of difference if you don't do something with it. And again, I'm not neglecting y'all. I guess y'all should have sat over there too. It takes a decision. It takes discipline. Now, that's a bad word right there, isn't it? But can I tell you, it's not easy to do right. If it was, everybody would do it. But man, it's easy to sin. Amen. It's easy to just, when your flesh says, I want, to say, sure, why not? It's easy to say, hey, can I have a chocolate? Yes. Can I sleep in? Yes. Can I go to bed late? Yes. It's easy to do all that stuff. And when your kids, they want to ask you for something, it's easy to say yes. It's hard to say no. It's hard to tell yourself no. It's hard to teach yourself to, to get up and do the work of God. That even when you're tired, you go to church. Amen. That even when you don't really feel like it, you go and you do the work of God. And, and you read your Bible and you pray. When you don't feel like it, you do it anyway. Amen. Faithfulness is not being there and doing it when you feel like it. Faithfulness is being there and doing it when you don't. Amen. This will never happen by accident. You're going to have to make yourself wake up. Oh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. It takes a decision takes discipline. But you've got to understand. You're saying, well, you know, it all sounds great and all, but I'm not really interested. It's fine. But you need to understand, there is a danger. What our verse say, our text verse. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty. Whose poverty? Thy poverty. And can I tell you, thy and thee and thou in the Bible is singular. You, ye, that's plural. Thy. Who's he talking to? You. Not you all. You. You. Me. Me. Who's poverty? It's not a general poverty. It's not a recession. It's your life falling apart, and there's someone booking it down the road as a traveler, and he's got one intention: to bring you poverty and want. You know what want is? You, you need something. Maybe you even had something, but now it's gone. It's going to come like an armed man and take it from you. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because you won't wake up. Awaken us. Oh, Lord. I don't want to wake up one day and realize that my children have been taken from me. Well, bless God, ain't nobody going to take my kids. Well, this world will. They'll take their heart, they'll take their mind, they'll take their life. How many of these young girls and young boys out here who are throwing their lives away and and destroying their bodies and drugs and alcohol and addiction and throwing their lives away in prostitution, how many of them as a three- and four-year-old little girl, little boy, their mom or dad looked at them and thought, oh yeah, that's that's what I want them to be. at some point, something came along and snatched them up. Just because I'm standing here this morning in this blue jacket and these maybe purple pants, I'm not sure. And I'm your pastor, and I believe the Word of God doesn't mean that she couldn't be right where they are. And if I wake up one day, and my little girl my little boy had been snatched up by the line in the street. The first thing I'm going to say is, what did I do? Sometimes things happen. But I'll tell you this, if it's going to be because of my slumber, I'll have no one in that day to blame but myself. Poverty, want, It's booking down the street for your house and it wants your babies. It wants your wives and your husbands and your children and your grandchildren. It wants you. It wants to take from you to steal it, to kill it, to destroy it. It wants to make a wreck out of your life just because you're here today and everything looks fine. But you're asleep. You wake up. Because the devil, as a roaring lion, Roameth about, seeking whom he may devour. Don't roll roll over, close your eyes, fold your hands, and go back to sleep this morning. I'm trying my best to warn you. There is a danger waiting for you. If you sleep through it, you'll wake up one day. What happened? How did I get here? How did this happen? Well, if you'd been awake, then maybe you could have stopped it. Maybe the Lord would have used you and stopped it, but you just rolled over, folded your hands, and went back to sleep. Awaken us, O Lord. Let's all stand together. We're not going to have any music this morning, but I would still like To implore you, don't sleep on God. Bow your knees. Ask the Lord to awaken you. You've got sin in your heart and sin in your life and things that you know don't need to be there and you're just putting it off. There's a line in the street. Don't fold your hands, roll over. Brother Paul, I, I don't have a lot of sin in my life, but I... I've not been doing the work of God. I've not been going out and I've not been a witness and I've not been a help. and I, I've shut down on God and I'm not doing anything for God. I, I, I've stopped being faithful to church. I've stopped being faithful to be a witness. I've stopped doing this and I'm just I'm not doing anything. Well, don't roll over, close your eyes, fold your hands and go back to sleep. Wake up. Come to God. Father, this morning, Lord, we ask You, Or we're asking You, Lord, to awaken us. We had revival last weekend, and God, it was wonderful, and we felt the Holy Spirit move, and we heard some powerful messages, God. God, maybe some of those messages made us go, you know what, I need to do this, and I, I need to fix that, and I need to do this. God, help us, Lord, not to turn over, fold our hands, close our eyes, and go back to sleep. God, revival is not a church service, Lord. It's, a, it's an awakening. It's a reviving. God, it's opening our eyes and standing up and arising and going forth and getting up and turning the light on in our life and letting the Word of God shine the light on the things in our life that are darkness. God, I pray, let every father in this church bow their head and ask, Awaken me, O Lord. Every mother in this church, pray, Awaken me, O Lord. Every husband, awaken us, O God. Help us not to sleep on sin and sleep on toying around with things that want to destroy us, God. Awaken us, God, creating us a clean heart. Every wife this morning, awaken us. Every young person, every older person, every adult, Lord, Awaken us. God, I pray, help us, Lord. God, I pray for every individual, Lord, that we see the poverty, the want, the destruction. God, the danger that's waiting up ahead that is rushing toward us as a traveler, as an armed man. God, help us to wake up and see the threat before it's too late. Help us not to sleep through as the thief comes and steals away our children. As the thief comes and takes away our joy and takes away the work that God wanted us to do and takes away, God, everything that we have and hold dear. Lord, help us to recognize the danger. Help us to recognize, Lord, this morning, if we're asleep, God, please awaken us. We know that You can. We know that there is no heart too hard for you to speak. God, I pray, speak to our hearts this morning. Deal with us. Go with us today. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, You can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.